0: Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I will be your host today. Joining me, fresh off a few weeks from away from this podcast, I think, is Drew Garrison. Drew, how you feeling, man? Hello there. I'm doing well. This show was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Because we didn't expect to have you on here today, Drew. This was a whole snafu. Uh, we'll see how this goes. You actually thought this was a show
1: for another topic, so this is going to go swimmingly. I know! I haven't haven't watched it to revay my bearings. I'm going off of nothing but memory. Ooh! Hey, this is a good movie to go off of memory, because it is, it's so
0: memorable, it's so quotable, there's a lot of great action scenes and great moments in it, and also, if you run into any, just, how do I put this? Some gaps in your memory here You have two people who have just recently rewatched the movie and are ready to review it Because I just rewatched it and I'm ready to review it And we also have a guest here today From the Nerdstash writing team Donnie Smith Donnie, how you doing, man? I am doing well, I'm happy to be here Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Donnie When it comes to your geekdom, your nerd zeitgeist, so to speak
2: well, it seems like as soon as I popped out of the womb, I was just engulfed in geek culture. I guess is a good way to word it. Um, and Revenge of the Sith is perfect for me to talk about because the year it came out, that's when I got into Star Wars. And I've never looked back. So are you huge into Star Wars? Absolutely. Um, I remember sitting in the theaters watching a movie and I think it was late 2004 and I saw the trailer for Revenge of the Sith and I was at the perfect age for that to really sink in and I eat up anything Star Wars related that I can get my hands on.
1: Ooh, strong with the force this one is.
2: You saw the title, you know the deal.
0: Today we're going to be talking about Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Here's a synopsis for Revenge of the Sith, courtesy of IMDB. Quote, three years into the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan pursues a new threat while Anakin is lured by Chancellor Palpatine into a sinister plot to rule the galaxy, End quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by George Lucas, it was written by George Lucas, and hey, wouldn't you figure, Star Wars was a franchise created by George Lucas. Ewan McGregor stars as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker slash Vader. Natalie Portman as Padme. Ian McDermott as Palpatine. Frank Oz voice as Yoda. Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Kenny Baker as R2-D2. Christopher Lee as Count Dooku. Tamara Morrison as Commander Cody slash The Clones. And I'm at best as Jar Jar Binks. We're doing this episode for May the 4th be with you because, well, we are massive nerds. And let's be honest here, Revenge of the Sith is a certified banger. Revenge of the Sith hit theaters in 2005 as the last installment of George Lucas' prequel trilogy. While people look more fondly on the prequels now, the prequels were panned by critics and Star Wars fans with a lot of people saying that the original trilogy was much better. I could talk about the similarities between the prequel and sequel trilogies in terms of its reception, and make a joke about poetry, but I, you know, everybody's already talked about this a lot. It's not a new take. But let's go ahead and get a little personal with this prelude. All or most of us here, I think, grew up with the prequel trilogy hitting theaters, uh donnie you literally just talked about it (laughs) at the beginning of the show yes so here are my very loaded questions for you guys what's your story with star wars and more importantly the prequel trilogy donnie let's start with you since you already kind of expanded upon it uh earlier on in the show
2: well um talking about the prequels in general um as you guys know if you grew up with the prequels uh coming out like i have they were inescapable um even if you weren't into Star Wars, it was all over the place. And I knew it existed, I knew what it was, but like I said, it wasn't until I saw the trailer for Revenge of the Sith that I really, really got into it. Um, And as far as for when I first saw it, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, I watched that movie religiously as a kid, and... Not much has changed. Um, it's not my favorite in the series anymore, but I still love it, and it holds a very special place to me.
0: Yeah, for me personally, this is a movie where I think back on it now because I was like in elementary school. I think I was like in fourth grade or something when this came out, maybe third grade. And like my dad took me to see *Revenge of the Sith* at least like five or six times in theaters, which at the time was awesome. But now I look back as you know, a grown adult, and I'm like, man, I do question this. <laughs> No, his economic, you know, sensibilities there because that's a lot of money going to the theater to see. Even though I loved it, just one movie over and over. But uh, yeah, man, this the prequel trilogy. I think it's always marred on. It's always panned. I think because of the second one. The first one, yeah, I think Mm -hmm. people don't care for it, but Maul is something that's always the, yeah, Maul's awesome. He's a badass. And the duel of the fates, the ending, all that stuff, I think it makes up for a lot of that stuff that people consider to be bad. Part two, I think, is the movie nobody really forgives. (laughs) So, I think that's why people still look at the prequels the way they do. Not part three. Part three, I think, even then, was considered to be, yeah, this wasn't perfect, but damn it was good drew what are your thoughts on all this like what are your answers to all my loaded questions that i can't remember now (laughs) so
1: (laughs) my experience with star wars actually was basically bar none until uh i was it was a sleepover with my god brothers when i was very young and it had the six episode series pack with all of the enhancements george lucas did to the movies Oh, let me tell you about these enhancements George Lucas has made to Star
0: Wars. (laughs) This man wanted to make so many enhancements, and I think it's led to this movie just getting worse. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. This is supposed to be an episode with a lot of positivity, but I think we can all agree. These CGI enhancements aren't really enhancements. Right. You
1: don't have faith in the CGI enhancements? No, I don't. I, I find your I, lack of faith disturbing.
0: I, that's fine. There it <laughs> is. <can> <laughs> There's another one right there. Add to the counter.
1: I, I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot. By the way, it, by the way, this is going to be more than from the movies. I'm going to be going from anything I can think of, even some of the sequel trilogy, even if I dislike it. <laughs> <laughs> it counts. Unfortunately, it counts. But anyway, <laughs> like I said, it was a sleepover, and we got it had all the enhancements that George Lucas had, and I saw it from episode one to six, and I didn't even know episodes four to six were the OT when I was first watching it. For me, I was like, "What the fuck did they do to all the effects?" It's like some of them held up, some of them didn't But it's like, wow they It's like they must have lost a lot of money In, in the in the next trilogy <laughs> Oh <laughs> How I would learn <laughs> How I would learn Oh
0: man, it's, it's a weird thing Because like You look at it now, because of CGI The way it's come, like the sequel trilogy For all it's faults that people can give it Visually it is just stunning It is stunning And I can't see any way that people will look back on it in a negative light in that sense. But you can definitely look at these prequels. And again, we're trying to be... This is easily, I think, the best of the prequel trilogy. This is one of the best Star Wars movies, in my opinion. But even with that, you can look at some of the CGI there and go, that looks like a PS2
1: cutscene. That didn't age well. (laughs) Well, I have a bit of compassion for the um ot and the uh prequels and compassion which i was defined as unconditional love is essential to a jedi's life so, so you might say that the jedi are encouraged to love I, I'm, I, wow i, I just <laughs> honestly i am surprised i quotes. remember that i am surprised i remember even that
0: it's quite impressive because you were pretty... You're going in this pretty blind. You
1: thought we were doing a Superman retrospective. Yes, I did. And I, had, and I really wanted to talk about Lobo from Superman Man of Tomorrow. And Martian Manhunter. We definitely will. But, at some point. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> but, like, woo! Let me say, like, when I got into Star Wars, I was going in because the next thing I watched after the, after the original six... Was the Clone Wars movie, not the Clone War series, the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone War series, Clone Wars movie, mm. and that, honestly, to this day, I still say that is peak, some peak Star Wars. Also, really, really had whiplash with General Grievous from this in Gendy Tartakovsky and. And getting Yarkovsky's Grievous, it's like they're night and day. One is a Jedi killer who can take on Masters. The other one is the meme machine. Yeah, we're going to
0: talk about Grievous because I do have a bone to pick with people who don't like Grievous. Because I'm one of those crazy people who actually really enjoys this version and the Clone Wars series. Not the one that you're talking about, but the actual series to where he's a cartoon villain who gets away every single episode, basically. And just being an <laughs> avid enjoyer of that kind of character. This chicken shit heel.
1: Fun fact, they tried to keep as much of the continuity in the series as possible to the point where Anakin is always unconscious anytime the two are in the same room. I love that. It's so good.
0: Let's go ahead and get to our general thoughts on Revenge of the Sith. Donnie, let's
2: start with you. You know, it may... Absolutely being a nostalgia bias, but I love this movie. Even as a standalone. Like, if there's one Star Wars movie I'll just watch and not watch any other ones, it's absolutely Revenge of the Sith.
1: Drew, what are your general thoughts? I understand that the movie is imperfect, but as someone who has repeatedly said on this podcast that I am willing to dissect what I love, I love this movie. I accept that it's not a great movie, but it's great in my heart. And that's all I really need. Fair point.
0: Really fair point. Because, again, I think this is one of those things that, Donnie, you brought it up, right? Like, this is, there's a lot of nostalgia for us, too, because we grew up on this. But even looking back on it, there's moments there to where you're like, all right, this was epic. This was what George Lucas, I think, was envisioning. The stuff, we'll get into the finale of it, but the whole lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan and, Vader, I want to say, because that's not Anakin anymore. I want mean, Invader at the end is epic in every single way conceivable. Like, to me, it is the best action sequence in all of Star Wars. Just for me personally. But you've had those flashes and you had those moments of the epic Shakespearean thing that I think George Lucas wanted to go for with this political... Kind of like one empire's crumbling and the other one's rising from its ashes kind of feel it's just unfortunate that I think the last if the last two movies were better. this movie would be undoubtedly I think the best of the entire Star Wars franchise because it would have been set up I think better because I think I that's agree. the fault yeah. the fault of this movie I think is Anakin's turn it's still while great it feels like it could have still been a little better. And again, going into standout performances, our next topic here. I don't think that's on Caden Christensen. I don't think that's on Natalie Portman. But talking about the Clone Wars, do you guys think that the Clone Wars
2: improved the prequels? Well, um, you know, let's look at before the Clone Wars came out. A lot of people felt the, one of the biggest problems in Revenge of the Sith was that it felt Anakin felt to the dark side too quickly. Like it just kind of like a flip of a switch, whatever. But if you watch the clone wars, you see how gradual it was. You see that it was always there and it just kept building up and building up. And then the events of uh, revenge of the Sith was just that final straw that broke the camel's back. So to speak,
1: definitely that, but also it improves on the romance between Anakin and Padme. Like the dude has straight up. Force level Riz in the in the Clone Wars uh, TV show. Whereas before, it's like, you're getting all the red flags of Anakin in the movies to wonder, why does Padme love him? Exactly. Yeah, you
0: get all the red flags with none of the badass moments of him being the hero. Like, you maybe get a few flashes of that in the Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith, but in Clone Wars, it's a lot of that. To where you like, oh, I see it. Like, you see what Obi-Wan's talking about in the original trilogy. I think that's the most important thing that Clone Wars did. Like, it not only brought that context, but I think another thing, too, is Attack of the Clones, that's supposed to be the start of Clone Wars. Then we go to Revenge of the Sith, which is the end of the Clone Wars. And everybody was like, wait, what the fuck? That was supposed to be the cool part. And So we just skipped over that? Com- yeah. Completely? Yeah. <laughs> so it yep. gave us that yeah it gave us that context man and it gave us not only more of obi-wan and anakin and how they were best friends and how they were brothers but then it added thankfully it didn't start out this way because the character wasn't a fan favorite to begin with but over time ahsoka became a not only the fan favorite of clone wars but the main character. The standout star. The standout star of Clone
2: Wars. Just the whole series.
0: Yeah, and then became becoming a fan favorite in just all of Star Wars, to whereas now we're seeing her story play out in the Disney Plus series coming up here with Rosario Dawson starring. And I, I think a lot of that is. It, it's just a very impressive here. For all the faults that you can give, whether that be Disney or George Lucas, for. Just missteps in Star Wars. Stuff like the Clone Wars. Stuff like the Mandalorian. Like you see things that have fixed other projects. And not only fixed other projects, but actually helped add on to it and made, like, it made not only Clone Wars, it didn't make the prequels just better. It made the Clone Wars feel like it was massively important. So that's a huge thing that Star Wars has managed to do multiple times
1: that I don't think I've really seen with other franchises too often. Well, most other franchises don't have so many fools running it. Although, who's more foolish, the (laughs) fool or the fool who follows him? Shots fired right there. Nice. But
0: let's go ahead and get into our actual retrospective in terms of the plot. So, I actually don't have our document pulled up right now. I don't know what the first topic is. Can somebody tell me?
2: The opening
0: space battle. Okay. Okay. So, this opening space battle, guys, I don't know about you guys. This is fantastic. This was a great dogfight. Exactly what I think people wanted out of something like this movie. You got to see that camaraderie between Obi-Wan and Anakin. R2-D2, I'm not going to get a chance to say this later because I know I'm going to forget. R2-D2 is a fucking psychopath. I'm getting tired of people not (laughs) mentioning it. This guy... Hey, 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 hey. No, no, Drew, no. I'm not going to let you defend him. Because this guy just murdered a bunch of droids in cold blood. landed them on fire. And then next time you see him, like he's killed a whole nother batch of droids. And he's just hanging out in their corpses. Psychopath.
1: Okay, I wasn't going to defend him. What I was going to say was that throughout all of Star Wars, another one of my quote drops is that never underestimate a droid general leia says it uh padme says it it's like there the whole there's a war being held by mostly droids it's like r2 being a complete <laughs> psychopath tracks my whole thing is why do people keep underestimating these things
0: r2 could have finished the clone wars by himself if they gave him the opportunity give him a lightsaber he oh, could yeah. have been the
1: first droid jedi
0: single-handedly yeah vader at the end like tells r2 like no hang back i don't I don't need you if r2 follows him with a lightsaber let's see what happens that's all i'm saying i'm saying this facetiously people i the sad <laughs> part is i have to say that because there is some weird top star wars fan who's gonna be like you really think r2 can beat vader no i don't okay i'm just being an asshole but
2: donnie what are your <laughs> thoughts on this
0: opening dog right here
2: You know, when I rewatched it, uh, earlier today, that's something that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, that opening dogfight, it just, you know, it does the whole opening crawl and it just throws you right into the action. There's no build up. There's no talking. It's just, here you go. Here's, here's what we're going to do. And I really feel like outside of maybe the, uh. Death Star attack at the end of A New Hope. This is probably my favorite space battle in the entire series. And it's just right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the action.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely there with you. Because not only like is it a great action sequence, the space battle itself. I don't know about you guys. It gives me, and I say this as a compliment. I know that I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like a complaint. It's a compliment because I'm talking about the earlier days of the MCU. It reminds me of like an MCU movie in a way. Because of the way it starts, and like their banter between the two, and it's like this is their 50th mission they've been on this week somehow, and they're just fucking tired of it.
2: Yeah, they're just bored. This is just another Tuesday to them. (laughs) Yeah, like
0: this is not even a threat to them, which you think would ruin the stakes, but I think it just makes, in this circumstance, more fun to what is a crazy situation. And for what is the intro of the movie, too.
1: It also shows some of the stuff that we'll get in the literal next movie of the timeline. Well, next movie before Disney. uh, Which is A New Hope when Obi-Wan says he was the greatest um, fighter pilot in the galaxy. And it's like, he's literally just cruising. You could put like just some random radio music and Anakin just chillaxing in this battle. And it it would feel appropriate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And talking about Clone Wars. That's another thing Clone Wars really did. It really hammered that home that Anakin is an expert pilot. But even if you're looking at the movies themselves, and you're not counting Clone Wars, I think you can look at this scene and be like, okay, I see what Obi-Wan's talking about there. But let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here, which is the Anakin and Obi-Wan dynamic in this movie. So I kind of talked about this already, how the two just have this different relationship compared to part two and even especially part one because it was more of Qui-Gon and Anakin in part one but in this movie it does really feel like they're just this old married couple who have done all (laughs) these missions together and they're just like I don't know anymore man like we're just we're killing a bunch of droids you do what you do I'm not gonna leave you to die and vice versa
1: Uh... Ah, yes, the true relationship that everyone was upset over in Star Wars. The bromance breakup.
0: How do you guys feel about this dynamic, though? For me, I thought it was fantastic, especially compared to episodes one and two. I thought this was just, it really showed how far the two have come as friends. And Clone Wars, I think, has only really expanded on that and really hammered home, like, oh, no, these two are pretty close. And Obi-Wan, as much as he is into the Jedi way, it's clear that he is kind of going against the Jedi way because he's a little hesitant to let go of Anakin.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not going to talk about their relationship at Phantom Menace because there really barely is one. But whenever I think Anakin and Obi-Wan, I think them more like brothers. Brothers in arms or, as you put, an old married couple. And I like... I like it better in Revenge of the Sith as opposed to Attack of the Clones. Because in Attack of the Clones, he was just like a disappointed father the whole time. And I just prefer it when they're more, like they feel closer than that. And Revenge of the Sith, like to kind of touch on something you brought up earlier, this is the relationship that Obi-Wan was talking about in A New Hope. When he was remembering Anakin, this is the Anakin he was remembering.
0: I think, I agree with you when you're talking about, like, part two, because not only is it, like, Obi-Wan's kind of, like, the disappointed dad, but if I'm remembering Attack of Clones right, it's a lot of Anakin just being a whiny bitch. <laughs> I mean, 95% yes, of the it movie, is. I feel
1: like Anakin being a whiny bitch. <laughs> so, to be fair... Hayden Christensen was technically supposed to be a little bit younger than what they showed, because George Lucas originally had this being Anakin's awkward teenage years. Well, he nailed that. i will say that <laughs>
0: nailed the awkward part of that. I'll give him, I'll give him credit there. But you nailed the dynamic stuff. I think Donnie, when you're talking about like, this is what is more captivating. I think for the viewer. Because not only does it feel like it's more equal, it also feels like the skill gap got a little bit more narrow. In part two, yeah, Anakin had a lot of potential and you saw glimpses of it. But part three, like, no, these two are about on equal level. In fact, uh, maybe Anakin's a bit better than Obi-Wan and it all comes to a head at the end of the movie, of course. But I think it shows just like we've been saying this whole retrospective, like, these two have been on so many missions together and it's good enough here Towards you can watch this on, on your own and be like, okay, this is awesome. These two, I could buy them as really close friends. I could buy Obi-Wan being hurt at the end of the movie and everything that happens there. And then Clone Wars just comes along. And this is, I know we keep talking about Clone Wars, but I, I feel like it's a disservice not to talk about it when talking about the prequels because of how much it did to improve the prequels in context. So I think this dynamic is really good without the Clone Wars, but with the Clone Wars, it's fucking amazing. Drew, what do you got to say?
1: In truth, I feel as though we've gotten the evolution of our Chosen One. Anakin is, fi- Anakin is, uh, is delving into his power. He's becoming stronger. Uh, we get an example of that literally right after this. But it's like I love the dynamic that we have with Obi Wan and Obi Wan and Anakin in this one because it really does show. It really does show like Anakin, like he doesn't really view Obi Wan as a father like figure that was Qui Gon. Obi Wan, what Obi Wan to him is more of a brother, and this shows it. And I think that's kind of why the mentor mentee relationship wasn't the best when it first started out because obi-wan was trying to act like qui-gon and qui-gon was the father figure it's like anakin can't see him like that in this one though they are they are brothers it's like you could see it now i i want
0: to go ahead and get into count dooku versus anakin here because i could say obi-wan and anakin versus dooku but you know obi-wan kind of gets ko'd relatively easy I think even by Star Wars standards, you look at it and go, come on, man. Like, what are you what are, we, what are you doing? <laughs> but this fight's all right. I don't think it's one of the best in Star Wars. I think it's remembered, of course, because of the ending to it, with Anakin just brutally chopping off the hands of Dooku, and then the do it. That's all it takes
1: for Anakin to be like, you know what, you're right. Sure, Captain. him. <laughs> the the memes have made this infamous for me. <laughs> like, have you ever heard Kermit replace Palpatine in this scene? Oh, it's brilliant! It's it's brilliant.
2: Yes, it's it's beautiful.
1: But what are you
0: guys'
2: thoughts on this fight here, Donnie, Let's start with you, man. Um, I like it. Um, but like you said, it's nothing special. But it wasn't supposed to be anything special. Uh, the way I see it is the beginning of this movie from the space fight to them saving Palpatine was almost like the ending of another movie or more specifically the ending of like an episode of clone wars. And that's what it felt like. It just felt like, you know, not the main fight, just something thrown at the end. Um, and while I do enjoy it, I do feel like Obi-Wan getting KO'd that quickly was kind of, I don't know if Obi-Wan's better than that. Like, come on.
0: Yeah, because he's kind of the, when you look at what happens in this movie, he's the main hero of the movie. Anakin's the main villain. So (laughs) it it does make your main hero by the end of the movie look a little weak, I think, at the beginning. So I get where you're coming from there. But you're right. Like, I don't think this has to be a fantastic fight. Uh, It does suck because Dooku is such a memorable character and Christopher Lee does a brilliant job with uh, his performance of the character. But I don't think he needed like this excellent fight to send him off. It was because what everybody's going to remember is the ending to it. Like, as great as the fight could have been, you look at the ending and you're like, oh, that's what everybody's going to remember. It's Anakin chopping off his hands and then Palpatine telling him to do it. And then the decapitation. Which really sets this movie off of, oh, that got real. We were ha- we were having fun earlier and telling jokes, and R two was being a psychopath killing droids. What
1: just happened here? Well, Darth R two has decided that Anakin's training is complete <laughs> and he's ready for Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> 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 to
0: kind of bring another MCU comparison, I would actually compare this a bit to Infinity War with the beginning of Infinity War with uh, Thanos and defeating. Thor and the Hulk so quickly at the beginning And then killing Loki Spoilers there for one of the most popular movies In the history of cinema But <laughs> If you haven't watched it, my question is Why haven't you? Also, how did you found this podcast? Like We talk about Marvel all the time and we talk openly about spoilers <laughs> So Don't know how that happened But it reminds me a bit of that Because it starts off with Oh, we were just having fun with Thor Ragnarok Oh, everybody's dead now? Oh, Loki's dead. Okay, this this Thanos guy is not somebody to fuck with.
1: Anything else about the fight before we move on? I think that this fight is definitely a tone setter. Like you compared it to Infinity War. I think this. I think the whole movie is a big Infinity War thing. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Infinity War took some inspiration from it. But for me, this one felt more like. Uh, civil war where it's like ah the stakes are changing you can feel the universe shifting and everything and in a way as you've seen palpatine's plan play out this is it's kind of like oh it's time for a new apprentice as the as wannabe vader once said let the past die kill it if you have to and in here this is where we really need uh to see anakin more susceptible to the dark side we need to show just how far he's fallen like he is like we know that anakin is skilled now he's beating the guy who beat him up in the last movie and even done a pretty double retribution with the arm takeoff and everything but what i love about this scene is that you see anakin struggle it's like he's not fully embracing the dark side he's tempted by it and he's more he's more like being an actual soldier and and general in a war than anyone else, which the Jedi are trying to be above, but they're not. It's like and and that's going to be something I point out later on in this podcast. But uh, yeah, I really do like this scene for showing not only how far Anakin is falling to the dark side, but also how how well it shows Anakin's growth and power.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that.
1: Now, I love how you were talking about Kylo Ren,
0: and you described him as wannabe Vader. And some see that as also an insult to Kylo Ren, and I don't, just because that's literally what his character is. And it's not even yep. a shot to him. Exactly. Like, it's quite literally what he's, <laughs> it's exactly what he's supposed to be, which is, I actually think is pretty good. But besides the point, uh, moving on here to another character that I think is a little divisive, and that's General Grievous. I kind of talked about this earlier. I really love General Grievous. All right, I know, I know he was a menace in the other animated version of Clone Wars. I know he was a terrifying figure. I get it. And I know Drew is waiting. He's just chomping at the bit for me to let him talk, and I'm trying to just waste as much time as I can here <laughs> before I, I do that. I know what he's gonna say. And, you know, you're right. You're right on everything you're going to say. The only thing I'm going to say in response is you got to look at, like, everybody else in Star Wars. I think you needed a chicken shit heel. Grievous is that guy. And I think he pulls it off very well. And not just this movie, but in the long-term Clone Wars series that we got. Very glad he exists for that reason. And I think he still does get moments, at least in the Clone Wars series, of uh, being a little terrifying. Not nearly as much as the, uh, I, I for, keep forgetting what the other version is Gendi. Gendi uh, version. But it, it's still, I think, enough there. But Drew, I, I'm gonna, I wanna start with you here, because I know you got a rant. Go ahead. Man.
1: All right. Piggybacking off of you. This movie is our first time seeing General Grievous in the movies. And I like first. Good or bad, they're always memorable. But General Grievous in the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone Wars is a fucking monster. This dude. Holy shit. If you have not seen this, look it up. It's been upscaled to 4K on YouTube. And you will not be disappointed. It is just Gendy Tartakovsky showing why Jedi are forces of nature. It's like, you can't get this in live action. Even to this day, you can't get this in live action. And General Grievous comes in after showing just how powerful Jedi are. Keep in mind, some of the Jedi are literally clapping and ships are destroyed. That's not an exaggeration. That happens. Some of them are beating up droids with their bare hands. And some of them are even lifting tanks and throwing them like they're nothing. In comes Grievous to take on six of them and only like two get away. That is Grievous. He is literally a monster, a force of nature. And oh my god, is he just wasted in in really all of Star Wars afterwards. Because that is honestly pete grievous grievous being this force of nature and everything he can still be a little bit funny i believe that you can do that and make it work but oh my god the fact that grievous feels so much like just a cartoon saturday morning cartoon specifically villain and just he's just like a guy of the week you're never supposed to see him again that's the feeling you get from Grievous in The Phantom Menace and what carries over to the Clone Wars the 3D Clone Wars (laughs) god why are so many things called Clone Wars Uh, but the Gendy Karakoski Wars show off such an awesome villain and why he's a threat and then you get to the movie and it's just not there I really really wish that we got, we got um Tartacosti Grievous more often because in truth, he's a fodder villain in everything else. I don't even know why the Sith keep him around.
0: Donny, I'm gonna tee you up here, but just give me a second. I'll I'll tee you up. <laughs> so I, I gotta, I, I see where you're coming. Again, you're right on everything you're saying because that version of Grievous is a badass. The whole reason why I'm behind what the movie and what the Clone Wars series does with him to where he's just this chicken shit heel is because I think the monster Terminator version that we get there in the, you know, the, the Gendy version is the kind of, he's too similar to Vader for me. That's the thing. I think he's just a little too similar to Vader. Now I said, I was going to tee this up to Donnie here. What are your thoughts on this? Because I guess you're going to be the... the
1: deciding factor.
2: No pressure. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, of course, no pressure. Um, I haven't seen the Gindy version in a long time. I have seen it. I actually watched it when it originally aired on Cartoon Network back in the day. But I forgot just how tough he was in that show. And so here's why I'm behind the Revenge of the Sith version. In universe, let's ignore the Gindi version just for a second. In universe, Sidious needed somebody weak. He needed somebody that is just going to be a laughing stock, essentially. So it makes sense that he would have, like you mentioned earlier, why would the Sith keep him around? That's exactly why they would keep him around. You know, he was meant to be destroyed. He was meant to be this fodder, I guess you could say. Um... In terms of why he acted like that in the Gindy version, I guess, I don't know if you guys remember, but I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but near the end of that series, Mace Windu crushes his chest with the Force, and that's why he coughs in the movie. I don't know if that weakened him or what, but that's my uh, headcanon, I guess you could say.
0: No, that's fair.
2: Especially, yeah.
0: I, I think that also works because, you know, how he dies in the movie. Yeah, he, yeah. Gets, he gets absolutely caught on fire, and his heart just crushed, basically. So, which is a brutal way to go. Like this movie is far more brutal than I remember.
1: Yeah, but but it's like one of the. Remember how I said it's like Anakin acting more like a soldier and sort of being looked down upon. Then we've got the Jedi doing this stuff. It's like how far did he fall? Actually,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: what's our next topic here? It was more of a stumble. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a stumble. Uh, our next talk topic is the lovely couple of Anakin and oh
0: Pad. Oh
1: my god, we're having a good time. <laughs> you know, we
0: had some disagreements about Grievous, <laughs> but I think it was all in good fun. Like, this is a good movie.
1: I think I genuinely believe it. Like, why do we have to ruin a good time? Look, look, let's just keep the long-standing Star Wars tradition of romance being near absolute dog shit except for the OT. Like, it's
0: already just weird because of Padme's age and Phantom Menace and you think about it and you just try not to think about it. You're like, well, then Anakin's acting like a weird stalker guy. That's not helping either. And then all of a sudden she's pregnant and then she loses all of her character traits and just becomes pregnant wife number one.
1: And then she dies. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Because I do gotta say, you are right about all of that. And the the sad part about it is that literally if you look at deleted scenes, or if you just look at every other expanded media piece, you see why uh, Anakin and Padme loved each other. And it's so sad that none of this stuff could have made it to the movies. There is literal is like in the Darth Vader com comics and everything. You see some of the relationship that Vader had with Padme and everything. Even some of the people who kept his secret. Like he literally, like Vader literally meets the priest that that uh inaugurated their wedding in secret, and literally he prote- He is one of the few people Vader has complete protection for in the Empire, and it's and you see flashbacks of their relationship in the Clone Wars TV series. You get to see why their relation. You get to see why their relationship means so much. How they both handle each. How they both uh, see each other and like get with each other. And Anakin, again being level ninety nine Riz master, <laughs> it's like gotta give. It's like gotta give it to him on that. And just so much. And just so much more. The fact of the matter is, is that in truth. I don't know how you could have salvaged their relationship at this point and Padme is honestly the one that be- that uh suffers the most because the senator who is trying to stop the empire from rising is still th- is still there should still be doing her thing and all we get is her Worrying about the wor uh, worrying about Anakin and wondering what the baby's gonna be like. It's so sad.
0: Yeah, and Clone Wars like this is something that we talked about earlier. Like it's hard not to talk about Clone Wars when talking about this movie, because it adds so much to it. And you look at what that show did for Padme, and you look at this movie, and you're like, these are two completely different characters. It is
2: strange. Donnie, what are your thoughts on this romance here? So I know you said that we have to we have to bring up Clone Wars, but for the sake of the argument here, I'm gonna have to ignore Clone Wars. Because if you bring in Clone Wars, they have a really heartbreaking, you know, romance. You know, like you under the first thing out of Vader's mouth when he's officially Vader in the suit is where is Padme? And if you look at the Clone Wars, it's really, really upsetting, really heartbreaking. But if you take that out of the equation. Their romance isn't really anything, because, like, let's take a look at Phantom Menace. What is it about Padme that attracts Anakin? There's nothing. Are he you an she's angel? Pretty. That's it. it... <laughs> exactly. The, are you an angel? It's it's nothing. It's it's rough. Uh, and like you know, George Lucas, you have to give the man credit. I mean, he created Star Wars. I mean, nobody can say that, can take that from him. He actually created it. But he cannot write romance. He can't. You know, like you said earlier, the original trilogy is the only good example of romance with Han and Leia. He didn't write the last two movies. Well, he wrote the story, but he didn't write the script. So, yeah. And it's just, the romance was supposed to be the basis of the prequels, especially the last two. And it's just, it's a struggle to sit through sometimes. It really is. Now, to be fair, I do think there's a lot of
0: good. And when I say good, I don't mean from, you know, their dynamic or their relationship. I'm saying when it comes to Vader's motives. I do really love that everything that Anakin does in this movie is for Padme. And he causes her death, essentially, in this movie. Like, he causes what he feared the most. And it's just, it's one of those things to where. It's not the first time this story's happened to where, like, oh, so the person's trying to avoid something. They create the thing that they were trying to avoid. That's a story that's been told Enter countless Greek times. Greek mythology, everyone. Yeah, that's Greek mythology to a T. <laughs> now, <laughs> and it's been done so many times, but I think the prequels did it pretty well. But in terms of the romance between Padme and Anakin, yeah, we're not going to beat a dead horse here. Like, it's not good. George Lucas can't really write romance. He can do a lot of things very, very well. But at the same time, man can't write romance. Like, I'm not even saying he
1: he can't even write romance. Like, he just...
0: That wasn't two humans interacting with each other.
1: (laughs) No. Okay, I I do do have to piggyback off something Donnie said. Because it's, like, one of the most infamous, infamous things from the first movie. But because of George's... Rewrite, since he didn't have a story in motion, his first romance was a love triangle between the princess, the scoundrel, and the princess's brother. (laughs) Exactly my point. Like, bless his heart. He just can't. He needs help (laughs) with
2: romance. (laughs) He needs help writing romance. Uh... You
1: don't
0: have to put it like that, Drew. That was... That was rough. I man. had
1: to. Look, you need that context because no one else can there's no other way to really describe it. It has to be like that because literally we have Leia saying in the in the final movie, it's like, "Oh, I'm your sister. Somehow I've always known, girl, you were macking on him."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, George Lucas is one of the greatest minds and one of the best creators in the history. It takes a
1: lot of inspiration from Greek mythology. It does. (laughs) Too much, probably. You can say
0: that, uh, but I don't think anybody will call him the best romance writer in the history of fiction writing. Now, let's move on to our next topic, which is our two main Jedi council leaders, Yoda and Mace Windu in this movie. I grouped them both together because I think they're they're very similar in terms of personality to me. And I don't think the Clone Wars really ever truly deviated from that, I think. I, I heavily disagree. You do. I see. I feel like Mace Windu and Yoda are very similar in the sense of they're very by the Jedi code.
1: That is true, but and this is a big and this is a big but. Our realities are brought together by our perceptions. And one of the things that I, in my reality, my perception of Yoda has is that Yoda always tries to be someone who leads someone to the right path through compassion. Windu is a dick. Like, there is no, (laughs) no other way you can say that. Shoutouts to Samuel L. Jackson, but he didn't, he wasn't the basis of the of the character's personality. No, he made... Like, Samuel Jackson, his charisma and his
0: acting ability makes Mace Windu a fan favorite. And yes. also, the lightsaber being purple and different, I think, also makes the character a fan favorite. Other than Same that, out. you look at the character of Mace Windu himself and you're like, this guy's a bit of a dick. I don't like him. Like, he's he's kind of... He's actively turning Anakin, like Anakin's being a bit of a whiny dick himself, but Mace Windu isn't helping anything. At least Yoda, to be fair, to add on to your point here, at least Yoda's trying to guide Anakin a certain way and show some wisdom. Mace Windu's just
1: like, hey, you kid,
0: get over it. That doesn't help anybody.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's like if Mace Windu, like, and the thing is, Mace Windu is a massive hypocrite, because when the time comes to kill uh the emperor and everything until kill the emperor and everything, it's like the Jedi aren't supposed to do that. And Anakin's like saying, oh we can it's like he's supposed to like be taken down in a court of law, which yeah you could do at this point. You've disarmed you've disarmed him, you've taken him down, knock him out, Mace. But no, Mace goes for the head. He goes against the Jedi code showing his hypocrisy. He only stands by it so long as he's not the victim of it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point there. Donnie, anything to add
2: about Yoda and Mace want to do here? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, like, like let's look at Phantom Menace when Qui Gon brought Anakin in front of the Council. Yoda was one of the you know most vocal ones with Mace that says, "Yeah, no, I don't trust him. I don't want to do this." But once he was brought on into the Jedi Order, like you guys said, Yoda at least tried. There was a little bit of compassion there. Mace made up his mind as soon as the kid walked into the Council and phantom menace and never changed it but it's almost not fair because all throughout the clone wars anakin proves himself time and time and time again and it's like mace still doesn't like he senses that little bit of darkness in him and he just it's like oh nope that's it like i'm i don't care i don't want this kid anywhere near me
1: also a bit of also a bit hypocritical considering that the purple lightsaber shows that mace is willing to use the dark side Without falling towards it,
0: to be fair, in terms of this movie, I don't think that lore was set up yet. Samuel it Jackson was. just wanted a purple lightsaber, which fair play, fair play. It wasn't, but <laughs> it's literally. Retcon-
1: yeah. But retcons. If we're if we're going for Clone Wars, if we're going for Clone Wars to be a part of it, then retcons count too. And that has been something that's also in the expanded universe as well. Purple lightsabers from expanded from original expanded to Disney. Always means you're a light side, but you're able to use the dark side as well. So, <laughs> yeah, take it for what you will.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a bit of I know what you're I know what you mean, but in terms of it's weird looking at the context of like yeah, looking at this movie, Samuel like, oh, and just want a purple lightsaber. But you're right, like in terms of what the lore sets up, it goes against a lot of Mace Windu there. So it's not the fault of the viewer. It's not like the viewer created that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I want to talk about the theme of characters destroying themselves and or what they love in this movie because I found that to be pretty interesting and it kind of piggybacks off of Yoda and Mace Windu because Mace Windu and Yoda's stubborn and very strict belief in the Jedi way leads to not only the Jedi's downfall but the downfall of the Republic entirely.
1: It's almost as if they choked... On their aspirations, director. <laughs> Anakin. Damn it, Drew. Anakin's fear <laughs> of
0: losing Padme, it leads to his own death and turn to the dark side. Obi-Wan's loyalty for the Jedi way leads to him losing his closest friend. Like, and there's just a lot more there, I think, too. Like, it's a lot about, like, people being just stuck in their own ways or losing themselves trying to avoid it. Like, it, like we keep making the joke, like, oh, yeah, it's like a Greek mythology story there. It really does kind of feel like that in some retrospects. Like, I, I think <laughs> even, you know, in some of the weird romance stuff, but... <laughs> I think it does have a lot of similarities in good ways. And in good ways, I mean in the tragedy aspect to make it a compelling story.
2: I mean, I absolutely agree. Um, One thing that I do want to bring up, talking about Yoda and Mace Windu's strict belief, and everybody has said this, but if Qui-Gon would have survived Phantom Menace, things would not have gone down the way they did. Because he knows how flawed the Jedi are. And I feel like at mm-hmm. least Yoda is starting to realize, but like you said, it's the stubbornness. He doesn't want to believe it. Mace Windu just doesn't believe, like, he thinks they're flawless, and he thinks he's flawless because he's a Jedi, essentially. And, you know, if Yoda and Mace, Mace Windu especially, I think, would have laid off on Anakin a bit, he would have trusted the council more, and he would have said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling... You know, these feelings, what do I do to stop them? These dark feelings, and they would have helped him. Um, Even in the movie, he does talk to Yoda about his premonitions, but, I mean, let's be honest, if he would have talked to Mace Windu about it, he probably would have killed him right then and there.
0: Hmm. You know, uh, to bring up Marvel again, because
1: I can't stop doing that. (laughs) You know, okay, hold on, before you go, you always get on me for bringing up Marvel. Yeah, you always get on me for bringing up Marvel, Yeah, but now it's you. Oh, how to turntables, apparently. How to turntables. Yeah. Now, be careful about falling to the dark, for once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny.
0: Drew, I'm so proud of you because you had no prep work <laughs> for this, and you've just been off the, off the tip of your tongue pulling off these quotes. So, props to you, buddy. Thank you. But I I find it very interesting that you're talking about, like, what if, Donnie? Because Marvel does a what if show. And it boggles my mind. It really does. It boggles my mind how Disney has not done this with Star Wars. Because there are at least 10 to 15 what ifs that would be
1: interesting just off of this one movie alone. There uh actually was a few comics that dealt with what if in Star Wars before Disney bought them. But it was just the original trilogy, wasn't it? Nope. It had the prequels as well. One included uh Luke's uncle, right? Yeah. One had the one it had um Luke's uncle, there was another there was another one that uh switched up that Leia was going to be the one trained the force and Luke was just a moisture farmer who got pulled into the rebellion it's honestly in it's honestly interesting to uh see how it goes and and uh a lot of the fans also make a lot of stuff for what ifs with them and my favorite one so far is what if ahsoka tano had taken the twins
0: yeah i think that's a very interesting one too like Again, just this is, by the way, probably a potential clash stash topic. Spoilers here, but in terms of just this movie, you get like, what if Yoda beats Palpatine? What if Obi Wan loses against Anakin in this movie? What if Mace Windu does arrest Palpatine, and then Anakin later gets found out? Does he get kicked out of the Jedi Order? Is that the best thing for him? Really, is to get kicked out of the Jedi Order? And he gets to be a family man and try to make amends, which is a little weird because, you know, he did kill an entire tribe of people in the second movie, and you try to forget that sometimes. But then he does what he does later <laughs> in this movie. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. He's not the best person. <laughs> I forgot.
1: There's just a lot of great what-ifs here. Anakin could have been saved if if Mace and the Jedi actually allowed for love and compassion. Us. Especially since, again, going back into the extra stuff that they keep doing for the series and everything, we have a Jedi who's on the Jedi Order who has four freaking wives. <laughs> exactly. It's like we don't we don't allow romance, but we totally allow polygamy. Uh, let's talk about Obi Wan versus General Grievous.
0: What do you guys think of this fight? I thought it was, we kind of talked about this earlier with Grievous, how he died. Like, I thought it was a pretty good fight. I do think this was better than Dooku versus Anakin. And it pales in comparison to what we'll see for the finale. But that's not even a shot at it because I hold the finale in
2: such high regard there. But what do you guys think of it? It's iconic. I mean, uh, one thing that I like about it is that it's not just lightsabers clashing. That's just the beginning of it. You have the lightsaber fight. You have the chase. And then you have the third part of the fight. It's Obi-Wan trying to figure out. Okay, I don't have my saber. I can't just use the force. What What do I do? And I think that makes Obi-Wan a stronger character. Or a more interesting character, I should say. Because it shows how resourceful he is. And as far as Grievous goes. You know, we were talking about earlier. How he's such a weaker character here. I think this... Shows a little hint of that old Grievous because he's just like he has a whole army of uh battle droids here that he could have ordered to fire on him, but he says no. I, let me take care of this. I've got this one. It really does give Grievous that feeling
0: of oh, he's not just a cartoon villain. He can be pretty menacing when he wants to be. I do know where Drew's coming from, and I know where he'll probably be going with his take on it. It's no nowhere on the uh, near the level of what. The other version showed it to be But I I do agree with Donnie I think it's a hint of that
1: And I'm going to leave it at that Honestly because I don't want to Repeat myself Also like I've I've said what I need to say And Gendy Tarkovsky's work Speaks for itself It does you guys had to say
0: about this fight though In particular though
1: Yes I've got three things that are my main focus One why does he jump down into the middle of the droids It's like I get It's like I get it (laughs) grieving uh, I get it. He wants to face Grievous and everything. <laughs> I'll stop you right here. Even I'm sorry the... to interrupt
0: you, buddy. But I'll stop you right here because I got your answer already. Because I think the Clone Wars answers this. Obi-Wan's a sassy motherfucker. He wants to make an uh, entrance. <laughs> and he does. In the best way possible. I, I, I think that's answered in the Clone Wars. Like within the first five episodes. You're like, oh no. Everything he does in part three makes so much more sense if it didn't already.
1: And yet he gets on Anakin for doing the same thing. I know, which makes it so much better. The Jedi are hypocrites.
0: (laughs) Hypocrites, all of them. That's the hypocritical stuff that I'm here for, alright?
1: It makes it so much better. At least Anakin admits he goes against the Order. (laughs) My second thing is that he doesn't wave to the droids, I'm not the man you're looking for. Could have been a great poetry moment. uh, Beautiful, beautiful. But the third and the biggest thing, for for me, is that in this fight, in this fight, where Obi Wan is now facing the Jedi killer who has been trained in your Jedi arts, it's like Obi Wan, you don't think to cut off his hand earlier in the fight. It's like I thought you were one of the best Force wielders. You're supposed to be able to take on the Chosen One, and yet you don't go for the obvious weakness. (laughs)
2: Again, he's sassy He wants to see what he's made of He wants to see if he can handle him There you go Well,
1: I I hope he likes nearly dying (laughs) If it wasn't for that one blaster being there (laughs) Obi-Wan would be toast Yeah, there would be no need For
0: Order 66 to go after Obi-Wan Because he'd already be dead Speaking of Order 66, though See that transition Let's talk about Palpatine's (laughs) plan Old Palfi's plan here Old
1: Creepy Sheev
0: Yeah, old Sheev <laughs> He gets Anakin to finally turn Mace Windu is a He's honestly just an idiot Who decides to try to kill Palpatine Because he thinks he's already too powerful And they can't do a trial And he says this to Anakin Who's already having doubts about the Jedi Order And <laughs> the one time he wants to go with the Jedi way Mace Windu's like Nah, fuck that, let's kill him Great job, Mace Windu. This is, <laughs> I, I really do genuinely hope. I say all this about Mace Windu. I do genuinely hope somehow we get a Mace Windu project down the line, and we get some kind of like Vader versus Windu one last time thing going on. That's been not teased by like Disney or anything, but I think fans have teased it in the past.
1: There have been they're... so many fan projects where it teases that, yeah. and there was one where it was the Vader, where it was a Vader series. Oh, that was and so was good. So... I was so mad Disney sued them. It's like they didn't even make any money off of it, you assholes.
0: Uh, Damn it. Yeah.
1: But uh, getting to
0: what happens here. So Anakin officially gives in, becomes Vader, and he's doing all this for Padme. And essentially he has to go kill the Jedi at the Jedi Temple, including the younglings. And meanwhile, old Sheev is... Deploying Order 66, which is one of the most iconic moments in the history of Star Wars. Now, what are you guys' thoughts on Order 66, Old Sheev's plan, and all this? Donnie, let's start with
2: you. So, just looking at the movie itself, we're not looking at the plan, we're just looking at the sequence. Probably one of the most heartbreaking moments in the entire series. Um, It's still just sends chills watching all these Jedi fighting alongside these clones that they've trusted for the entire entire duration of the war. Just turn on them. You know, it's in the music. It's all just absolutely wonderfully done. Palpatine, you know, it makes you want to think that it's a great plan. Cause obviously it worked, but then again, it's like, <laughs> it makes you wonder how much of it was luck, you know? Um, but I mean, you gotta give Palpatine credit. Order 66 was a genius idea. I mean, you gotta give him props. It worked.
0: Donnie's right about Order 66 being like this chilling scene. And I called it iconic earlier. It is an iconic scene. The one nitpick I have of it is of some of the Jedi who die. And they give this... I don't know if this was the direction that was given to them. I don't know if this is just the, the choice they decided to go for. But them flailing. (laughs) <laughs> they just slipped on a banana peel. Would not have been what I would have went with <laughs> for a that. death scene. That's just me. I might be wrong, and I'm you know what? I'm okay with that. If everybody else is fine with this, all these death scenes and people slipping on banana peels to die and getting shot in this very brutal and sad scene, I'm I'm okay to admit that I'm wrong. But I don't think everybody's going to be saying that they love that. Uh, other than that, though fantastic Saint. just showing just the cunningness of palpatine also just how badass yoda is still because he senses what's about to happen he's like well all right i'm so glad you mentioned that
1: i guess i about to kill me to clone <laughs> with me while the wookies are just like the fuck <laughs> happened there mm-hmm. but i'm so glad you mentioned that because again hypocrisy. The moment the clones turn on them, it's time for some killing. Yoda's going through, murking everyone. Uh, Drew, what are your thoughts on Order 66? Then we'll move on to the ending here. It is one of the most horrific scenes you can ever show to a child. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That it is. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the all-ages thing. It's, it's, like, do you, it's like, don't expect to show me Master Skywalker. What, what's happening? And they'd have the igniting lightsaber and not expect, and expect me to say, oh, that's PG. No. No.
0: I, I watch this every time, too, and I go, maybe it'll be, di- it's stupid, but I'm like, maybe it'll be different this time. And it's somehow brutal every time I watch, and I'm the crazy person who's going, maybe this movie that I've seen 50 times will have a different ending. That's not so
2: fucking This' It's the bleak. new special edition. They changed it. <laughs>
0: it's the new special <laughs> the edition. The new special edition. The new special edition. What are your thoughts on this final fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin and also Yoda versus Palpatine here?
2: This is the epic conclusion. What can I say about it? Uh, that this do the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight right now. It. I feel like a lot of people you know, back in 2005 had expectations of how this final fight would go. I mean, right. As soon as the prequels were announced, people were expecting this fight. And for me anyway, I feel like it, I feel like it was worth it. I mean, it's, there's the passion, there's the anger, there's the reasoning, the music. It's all just this. I really don't think it's possible that another fight in star Wars can match this fight. Uh, because, you know, you don't just have the lightsaber fighting you have, you know, they use the force against each other. They, they know how each other operates. You know, it's not just like, you know, a Jedi going up against a Sith, you know, Obi-Wan trained Anakin, they fought together, they know their secrets and it's just, I don't want to keep bringing this up, but it is heartbreaking almost, but, you know, looking at it through the eyes of an eight year old, which is how I originally saw it, it's just awesome. I mean, that's the best way I can word it. It is awesome. It feels...
0: Not only do the characters feel like they've hit that point where... Anakin can't listen to any logic or reason anymore. He's too far gone. He's done so many terrible things. He just can't come back from it. Obi-Wan's doing the only thing he knows how to do at this point. Which is he's got to take this guy down. This His closest friend. Somebody he considers a brother They whole will later say... And it just the whole atmosphere of this thing. It it feels epic. We keep comparing this to like Greek mythology. It feels like an epic tale in Greek mythology and Roman mythology and some kind of like just crazy mythos. It feels like the epic ending to one of those. And they nailed it completely. Like flips and all like it's not my favorite style of Star Wars fights. I do prefer probably what we got in Something like Force Awakens, I thought was pretty good. To whereas it felt like it was more just sword centric and more sword play than flips and all that stuff, and it wasn't as like stiff as the OG trilogy. But I, I gotta say, this fight right here, man, it just feels the only word that keeps coming to mind is epic. Drew, what do you think about it?
1: We stand at the cusp of Anakin's achievement. As he is now made his empire, his new empire. Damn it! Now I'm doing it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Join me, and we can meme the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in all, <laughs> but in all seriousness, oh my God! If this ain't the fight to. And all Star Wars fights. It's like, you can have something that's better choreographed. You can have something that has better music. But you cannot tell me who have something with more stakes and emotion here. And the thing is, if you watch the series as it was originally intended, you know how this ends. That's the heartbreaking part of it. You know how this ends going in. And it makes it all the worse. And yet all the more epic having the emotions, having them, like, be standing on two sides, these people who would give up their lives for the other in any other circumstance. It's so heartbreaking to see. And even, even when um, the, final, the final move happens, when Anakin overestimates himself, believing that his power will see him through to defeat Obi-Wan, it's just so sad to hear Anakin yelling, I hate you, while Obi-Wan still looks at him as his brother and cannot bring himself to kill him. He he leaves him for the flames to do so, not knowing what he'll become, not knowing just what he left alive. But in the end, it doesn't matter because the Empire still won.
0: Yeah, you kind of teamed me up perfectly for the Yoda versus Palpatine intro and uh yeah these two here don't have as good of a fight i don't think but i really do love the palpatine versus yoda fight and it makes me do a 180 on yoda for the prequels because in the prequels he is a bit of a stubborn stuck in the yeah the jedi way and all that kind of stuff but true you're right when you're talking about like yoda has the compassion he's always trying to guide his pupils into Like, what he thinks they need to learn from it a situation. And what I love about this fight is, Yoda loses. And not only does he lose, it's embarrassing. Like, he has lost his people. He has lost his way. He has lost his robe. He has lost his lightsaber. Everything that made Yoda what he was is gone. So he gets to leave in exile. Embarrassed and just... Completely alone, other than Bail Organa Who is just amazing By the way, Jimmy Smiths Just Mm -hmm. put him in everything Star Wars I'm okay with that (laughs) But besides the point (laughs) This fight here, it was great for different reasons And I think it's because of the humbling of Yoda And putting him into where We see him in Empire Strikes Back
1: Yeah, it's really sad Because Yoda was trying his best To at least salvage something From this horrible loss After so many are lost, after after everything, even his even like his feelings of failures, not just in the fight, but also for the Jedi that he trained and the order that he led, he couldn't stop change anymore. He could stop the suns from setting, and it was, it's honestly like like you said, it's embarrassing, but it needed to be that humbling moment for him to be the Yoda we know in the OT.
2: Yeah, I agree, especially with the um. Like, let's look at Empire here. He did not want to train Luke. And, of course, you know, in the movie he says, oh, he's too old or he he lacks patience. But he is terrified that he is going to fail Luke just like he failed Anakin. Because even though Yoda wasn't his direct master, I mean, you know Yoda feels that sense of failure. Especially because earlier in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin... Uh, sought counsel with yoda to talk about his premonitions and yoda just kind of gave him some basic he's like i don't worry about you know just you know whatever and i mean i feel like the fight between yoda and palpatine was about more than just you know them clashing lightsabers like i almost want to feel like yoda knew he didn't know that he was going to lose but he realized There's a really good chance that this is not going to go the way I want it to go. But it's just, you know, like Taylor said, he lost his robe, his lightsaber, his, to an extent, his morals. It's like everything he built his life on is gone. Like, he has nothing.
0: Yeah, it's a very good way to put it. And I gotta say, like, in terms of the two fights too, I think this is exactly, like, of course, it's how I had to go because of the... Trilogy, but it also feels right for the movie itself. One of the heroes fails, one succeeds. But the one that succeeds, he, like kind drew mentioned here, he left him alive because he couldn't finish it. So it creates everything we see in the original trilogy is created off of that one moment right there to where he just couldn't finish it. We talked about what if earlier. What if everyone finishes it right there?
1: What if Palpatine doesn't have a Vader? Like, does the Empire make it? Well, I hope the Grand Inquisitor is willing to step up to the plate. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: one hell of a shadow to live up to, (laughs) what we would see with Vader. But yeah, man, like, these two fights were epic in all the best ways. I love how they were also side by side, basically. Like, we kept just going from one scene to the next, going back, going, like, it was, it felt like we were at the apex of what this story was. And then we get the epilogue that puts everybody in place of where they are in the original trilogy. Padme gives birth to Luke and Leia. She dies of a broken heart. Uh, Donnie, you got anything to say about the ending of this movie here? How everybody gets put in their place for the OT?
2: You know, it's perfect the way it goes down. Um, And one thing I want to bring up, and I know it's not perfectly timed like this, but if you pay attention, Darth Vader... You know, as we know him now put gets his helmet on and he's officially Vader. that happens around the same time Padme breathes her last breath, so it's like Vader is officially born right when Padme dies, and it like you said thematically, it's so perfect and then you know you have like let's look at the last shot of the movie. It's uh Owen and Baru holding Luke looking up at the two sons and and you have Obi-Wan just kind of ducking away to go, you know, watch over Luke uh, in silence. And it's it's heartbreaking, but you almost want to cheer because you know what's going to happen. But it's just, man, what a journey it was to get to this point.
0: It feels like an optimistic ending because of that. And actually, sh- like, I remember, like. When I was watching this movie, I got to the ending, and it's heartbreaking, everything you were saying, Donnie. But then you get to that moment where they're looking out at the twin sons and music's going, and you're like, man, why am I getting kind of emotional right now? Massive nerd over here. (laughs) over here getting emotional. It's literally people looking at sons. That's it. That's all it took for me. And it's because of the history that this franchise has. And if you've seen the OG trilogy before seeing this, you know like oh okay, like everything will be set right
2: from this.
1: There is still hope.
2: A new hope.
1: Damn it, Donnie.
2: <laughs> I had to throw one in there. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it's a- I'm glad he did.
0: <laughs> oh man. Drew, let's let's rush and get
1: out of here, man. Favorite and least favorite moments go. Uh my favorites are the f- my favorite moments are the fights. Mainly because in a way in a way not only is it the emotional beats just amazing but it's also a fight between two jedi two jedi mass two um not jedi masters two force masters and two night masters if that makes sense like obi-wan and anakin are more of the physical side of the force they fight with the they fight with the force as if it's physical and not the mystical element. They're more to swing their lightsabers than anything else. While Yoda and Palpatine are using more force abilities, they're throwing senator cheers around. They're ju- Yoda's jumping around. He's absorbing Palpatine's lightning and shooting it right back at him. Really freaking badass. It's just um it's just amazing. To what this what this shows us that true Force masters can do. And honestly, Even with all the extra effects that's happened in the Disney Star Wars series, I don't think anything has really topped what these guys in showing off Force abilities and what makes them unique. Because for most of Disney, we get just more power, more. While in this, we get, let's let's show off variety and skill. Donnie, what are
0: your favorite and least favorite moments?
2: So I'm going to start with least favorite because I'm just going to briefly breeze over it because we've already talked about it, but the romance, it's awful. Um, we've already talked about it. So this it's the romance favorite, honestly, are Anakin's last moments as Anakin or last days, let's say as Anakin, if that makes any sense, uh, just specifically one scene. And it's when he tells Mace that, Hey, I think Palpatine's evil. And Mace takes the Jedi and they go over there and Anakin waits in the council chambers. There's no words just by his face. You can see the last little bit of light leaving him or starting to leave him. I should say it's like in that moment, he decides he's going to turn to the dark side. And I I just I love that so much.
0: Let's go
1: ahead and get out of here. Drew, what you're working on? Where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube. I am at Fanfic World. And you can also find me on my socials, Garrison underscore. I am on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me and, you know, maybe I'll make a what if of ha- what if uh, Ahsoka raised the twins. Or what if Obi-Wan did kill Anakin?
0: Hey, those are some good what ifs right there. Donnie, what are you working on and where could people find you?
2: You can find me over at Twitter. It's at ObsessedCinema underscore. Um, I've kind of been neglecting my Twitter. Uh, If you go on there, you'll see that. But I'm going to start using it again. So definitely follow me over there. And you can also find me on The Nerd Stash, where I am a list article writer. And I write about anything you can think of. Star Wars, gaming, movies. It's a great place. And you should come check me out. Definitely be sure to do that. And I'm very glad you brought up
0: The Nerd Stash. Donnie, because if you're looking for the best place to get your gaming and entertainment news, you should be checking out TheNerdStash.com, where you'll be seeing articles from all sorts of fantastic content creators who are making it their sole mission in life. Donnie, it's your sole mission in life, right? Is to write content for people.
2: Absolutely. That's all I care about. Inform the masses.
0: Inform the masses about some games, movies, TV shows, make lists, and featured articles. It's what they all get up for in the morning to do. So if you got the time, check out TheNerdStash.com. There's all sorts of news, reviews, lists, uh, opinion pieces, guides, you name it. It is on TheNerdStash.com. But that's not all. Are you looking to get your start in the game or entertainment journalism field? Are you someone who's just looking to build on your ever-growing resume? Regardless of your experience, consider joining our writing team alongside Donnie here. You can find the link for thenerdstash.com in the description of this very episode, regardless of the platform you're listening to us on. In the description you could also find the link that'll direct you to any open positions we have available at the site. All you have to do is click on the link and follow the instructions provided. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank Donnie for joining me as well. I thought this was a really fun episode. It was great meeting you, Donnie. This is the first time we really chatted other than
2: on Discord. Absolutely. It's great meeting you guys. Um it was a lot of fun, and I hope this isn't my last time on the podcast.
0: It won't be as long as you would love to join us again for a future episode. Uh, Sadly, though, speaking of future episodes, we don't know what our next episode's going to be. We still got to figure out a topic. Superman Man of Tomorrow? Well, could be. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it. (laughs) It might just be Superman Man of Tomorrow. Because that's something (laughs) I've been wanting to talk about here. And we switched it up to have a May the 4th episode. Who knows, though? We'll have to figure that out on our Discord. We might even run a poll on our Discord channel for our podcast, which you can also join by clicking the link uh, provided in the description of this episode. But uh, we'll have a new episode next week, regardless what the topic is. We're still gonna work on it, figure it out. But we'll see you next week. May the Force
2: be with you. Always.